You're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Hey, folks, guess you heard this morning I tested positive for COVID. And when people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Dr. Fauci says he has COVID again. If you've done the right thing and gotten vaccinated, you deserve the freedom to be safe from COVID-19. And this morning, I learned, I, I tested positive for COVID-19 as well. With three doses that you've prevented, not just from serious illness, but from getting this virus, this Omicron variant, and therefore giving it to others. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews is in quarantine for seven days after testing positive to COVID. So I, I'm fully vaccinated. It gives me some comfort. Anthony Albanese has just tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, having received two doses of AstraZeneca, it's a very effective vaccine protection from symptomatic illness and therefore risk of transmission to others. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, July 26, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Very important discussion to get into, <laughs> if, if Cyril will let me get into it today. Very important conversation to have about what's going on around the HIV connection with COVID-19, as well as monkeypox, but an interesting overlap that I want to get into the breakdown, the illusion of what's happening with WHO today and comparison to what happened before. And yes, this has happened before. It's important to understand that, that this is not something new. And even the WHO has been called out by people from within the WHO. And I also want to get into the breakdown of how this information has been flowing from the beginning of all this. I mean, the, I'm going to make a couple specific points and this is not meant, I mean, it's part of this, of course, because I can't not see this. But I don't want this to be taken as a something like I said this first kind of a point. This is about understanding how this information has been not just because T-Lab stated or independent media stated it. It's been publicly available on Pfizer documentation that's been discussed even by corporate media from the very beginning on something like whether or not these were ever meant to or do stop transmission. Apparently, it's breaking news. Dr. Burke said so. Therefore, it's a big story. And I'm glad it's a great article by Epoch, uh, Epic Times making this clear. But what's more frustrating to me is even that article doesn't really point out that this has been something that's been there. It's not news because Dr. Burke said so. And you're going to see this. You've been seeing this from the beginning of the conversation. Why is it that this information being present and even published at this time by Forbes, it still isn't even acknowledged until it's, I guess, allowed to be acknowledged? And who's doing the allowing? Right. What, who decides whether Fox News is allowed to start pointing at something or whether CNN's allowed to acknowledge something's there? Well, their corporate media do the, the, the corporate overlords of these entities. Let's be clear. It is not up for dispute whether Fox or CNN, you know, use them to kind of umbrella everything else we're talking about. They're not allowed the individual people on these shows. They don't get to just talk about whatever they want. We all know that people like Allison Morrow who have left have told you this is the reality. It's tightly controlled. So when they start to talk about something and, yo, look, at they broke the story, ask yourself why they're being allowed to say this. Now, I'm not trying to be jaded about this and say that every single thing coming from corporate media is this way or that every person involved is lying to you. I don't know that for sure. 
For all I know, they believe they're doing the right thing. For all I know, I'm wrong and they are doing the right thing. But the bottom line is to see the flow of information and watch how tightly controlled it is and let that color and influence what you may think about these entities. We're also going to talk about monkeypox. In, you know, more than just the HIV crossover, but specifically where it's going. And then some kind of just last ending information to go over a couple of different points in regard to, you know, the cover up of heart attacks, the cover up of blood clots, the cover up of hepatitis, and a few other topics we'll get into that are being covered up, like menstrual cycle, menstrual cycles or reproductivity, fertility, things that their own documentation show are very clearly a problem. And yet they're going, oh, this is the reason. It's because of the heat. It's because of anything else we can abstractly connect to it. That's where this is going. But to start off today, I wanted to give a shout out to specifically the Milky Bar TV who made this clip. Weirdly enough, by the way, the reason it was in a weird phone version and small on the way it just played is, is because it's Something strange is going on with iMovie, which I, be, I still use, unfortunately, because it's been like tapped into everything I have, essentially. I am unable to get it to open now. Not that it necessarily has to mean some conspiracy, right? But it's just strange how a lot, one by one, my technological life is getting increasingly more difficult as we progress into the technocratic panopticon. What a coincidence. But just strange. So I wasn't able to edit this. I couldn't even get other things to open on open source thing. Oh, long story. But great shout out. It's great video. Just sim simply showing you the fact that they're saying you're not going to get this thing. And then they got this thing, which is really ridiculous. And now they pretend that it's just because things have changed. Well, no, they haven't. This has been the case from day one. And I'll make that very clear to start today. They never even intended for this to stop transmission. And they all knew this. This is, a, this is not because Forbes article said it. Because the documentation Forbes was writing about made that clear. And I made that clear to you numerous times. We'll go over this today. Oh, and by the way, I'm, this is guaranteed to be less uh, be, done, be done in less than two hours because I've got an interview with James Corbett. We're going to go over a lot of great stuff. It's going to be recorded for mi um, numerous reasons, probably come out tomorrow. And I just had a great interview with Jason Bassler from the, Th the Free Thought Project, which mi also might come out tomorrow. But I also I had a really good conversation with him, and that might end up being something special that I'm putting out. But just heads up, just so you know, that's going to be a time limit, and we'll get there. But to rush through this in general, I want to make a point about this. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, this was the first point. This really quickly. Donald Trump comes out. My point in general, I'm really coming, coming off my interview with Jason, they're two-party paradigm stuff, guys. And whether these individuals know this, whether the Tuckers know it or the Trumps know it or the other side know it, or not, or think they're doing the right, doesn't really matter in the context of this point. The two-party paradigm is the reason we will not change things, if that's not, if that doesn't happen, because it will stop the people that we need the most to make the most point, you know, right at the crux of the issue, they're going to break apart, divide, and attack each other, because that's what it does to them. The, in my opinion, the minority of the population that's caught up in the two-party illusion that they name the majority. As I, this Donald Trump came out and said, instead of taking guns away from law-abiding Americans, we should try to take them away from the violent felons and career criminals for a change. Now, that may at first say, yeah, yeah, right, because we all should address that we're being attacked and our rights are being taken away. But when you stand back for a minute and ask yourself, wait a minute, what's he really saying? That we should still take guns away from people and that the government should still be dictating who are those people, who those people are? Well, yes, that's what he's saying. So this is a yay point for Republicans because Trump's saying it and pointing at the Democrats. Well, what happens when the Democrats are in power again? What happens when Trump's in power and they're the ones dictating who a criminal is and who is violent? 
And are we going to pretend like that's just something we're just going to be accepting of it because we're conservatives and we're in power? That's child level logic, guys. What happens when the next conservative four years from now doesn't agree with that? This is dangerous. And it's team sports politics. My point is, how about we stop attacking constitutional rights from any partisan angle? Who defines what constitutes violent or criminal? Well, the current regime does. So we should never allow this kind of rhetoric where we should say we should take guns away from the ones that we deem dangerous. Now, we could take that part even further and acknowledge the fact that there's no constitutional reason a felon should not be allowed to own a gun. Now, I know that's hard for people to wrap their minds around because, well, they're a felon and that, well, what do they get? Or what are they felons for? For cannabis? Or for murder? Well, even those two, those two things would make a difference in the way you'd perceive it for sure. A murderer should have a gun. Well, wait a minute, though. Now, I'm not trying to argue into this very deeply right here. This is just an opening point. But think about it. It's a constitutional right. Shall not be infringed. Inherent. Inherent. God-given. So when a human being steps in and goes, except for these criminals, that's not constitutional. Now, you can disagree with it. You can say, well, that's not fair. or The world doesn't work that way today. We should change that. You know know, what one side would tell? Well, go vote. (laughs) The point, though, is that this is politics dictating what is constitution, not the other way around. And that's not how that works. So anyway, the bottom line is, guys, stop falling for party politics. I just don't know why we can't see how it's because they want to believe that they're the right side. And of course, well, when Trump's in or Republicans are power, it's only going to be the real violence and the real criminals, which, again, is a subjective term in your mind. that's dictated by people in your circle. That's wrong. And we should not allow that. And then also recognize that in regard to the injections and everything else. Trump revealed that he got the booster shot. Right. So two shots booster. So he's in line with this whole thing. So just recognize that this is not as partisan as they want you to think that it is. Now, I think I'm pretty sure there was a tweet in between those that I was going to show, and I'll make clear why I don't have that right now in this next little part before we start with the most important part. For a brief moment today, my whack-a-mole account (laughs) was censored. And it wasn't because there was any specific censor or tweet. It was because they were clearly aware that this was being used by me. But because it's not attached to me in any way at all, not my number, not my information, they can't prove that. So for whatever reason, they're, I guess, still allowing their own rules to dictate them. I don't know why they wouldn't just censor it anyway. They're doing that everywhere else. But as I said, and we're back. Censorship no longer matters, Twitter. Your censorship no longer matters to me. And I list off of numerous accounts that are all building up the same following so we can switch to the next one the moment that they decide to do this, which they will again. But I said whack-a-mole indeed is the name that is funny. But the point is this continues. And all I had to do was connect with the person and say, hey, they're sending you a code. Send me the code and send me the code and I'm back in. Right. This makes their censorship meaningless. Now, not everybody's going to have the de- the effort and the connections to make this happen. But just realize if you build your community off their platform, you no longer worry about their censorship. It's clear as that. So think about that. Now, on another censorship point, I wanted to make this clear as well. For those that have been hearing me complain about the website, I've got a lot of people emailing me about the website because I've been pointing it out. Saying, well, it looks like your images are too large and so on. And, you know, they're right to some degree, but that's not what's happening, guys. I am aware of the different ways, the SEO, so search engine optimization and so on. And I'm, I'm not an expert, but I do my best and I understand how to update these things and so on. So that is something I even added. Somebody reached out and made a couple points about the browser or something and I, and I updated it, so on, which had an effect. But I finally got in contact back after a million times trying to connect with the escalation team for HostGator. And it seems like they did do something and it seems like it did work. Here's what they say for the podcast. 
Thank you for contacting them. It says your server faced resource exhaustion due to WordPress XML RPC attacks, which are reasonably common. So it's not some high level thing. But what that means is we're being attacked. And this is what basically that means is it's, it's some kind of uh, connection app that allows you to use other apps and have integration between them, things you can use offline and transfer them over and so on. I won't get too deep into it. I honestly am probably just going to try to remove it in general. I don't think I need it today. But in any case, the point was the site was also being crawled by aggressive, uh, crawled aggressively by some bots, which also happens pretty broadly. Just recognize this wasn't some fringe small thing. These, these were, or rather some, you know, glitch or something like that. This site was being slowed down by actions from outside forces, whether it was bots or advertise, whatever, it doesn't have to be government, but that's what was happening. So we can prove that. And, just, and they, they added a custom ModSec rule to block those kind of attacks on that one app until I decide to remove it or not. They also blocked a bunch of these IP addresses that were manipulating the server firewall. There's a lot going on here, guys. I just want you to recognize that this is not some small misunderstood thing. There are all of us, from the Free Thought Project to The Last American Vagabond to any other platform out there, we are being manipulated because we're simply saying things we're not supposed to. That's always been happening, long before they admitted it was happening. Today, it's because fake news, but before it was fake news because it's not happening, right? That's, it's interesting how that turns. Now, on the point of censorship, because they censored this account for a brief moment, I realized one thing it did do, which maybe is the reason. It stopped me from being able to access all the tweets that I had up, which is one of the reasons why I should try to stop. As I said before, Twitter is, despite their censorship, one of the best places for real-time information, as long as you acknowledge that half of it can be false, right? That's just called discernment and doing your own research. But it does have instant, good, inf real-time information. But it stopped this from happening. I said, oh, well, that's I have all these tweets up, and I forgot what they were. I think I, I missed one. I just want to show you guys, if it does happen to you, here's a way to get them back. One is to go, here's one right here. If, you, if they give you the option and it's available, if you click back on some of them, it will bring you back to the tweet it was on. But for some reason, I'm noticing that ha most of what I had open didn't have that. So what, I'm, what I found that you could do is duplicate the page that, which then opens it in a current setting, which doesn't have the block, and then go back. And well, oh, well, I guess that didn't work that time. <laughs> I did this like 14 times in a row. Anyway, bottom line is there are ways around it. But in many, most cases, they're trying to stop you from seeing what you have open, which is the, we'll get to some of these tweets in a minute. Now, our last point on censorship is not just censorship by platforms, but self-censorship, which is happening everywhere. So I want to give you a quick rundown of things. I'm not going to get into masks today, but somebody's pointing this out about, oh, they lifted the mask mandates. We're going to all die or whatever they're trying to say. This person said the masks don't work. People only think they do. And they post a link that is nothing but peer-reviewed science and an article about peer-reviewed science. That's literally it's the link you've seen before. It's this link. It's the source links I post beneath the video that I've shown, right? Which is only talking about peer-reviewed science. Isn't that interesting? So they post that and it says, stay informed, learn more to prevent this, like which impl implying it's not real, which is probably what this person cued on. This person responds to the posting of peer-reviewed documentation, which doesn't mean you blindly trust it. We question the peer-reviewed science like we question everything else. Remember that they're the ones saying trust the science. They're the ones arguing that we should trust peer-reviewed science because that's what it shows, and so on, right? The response from Redshift is, sounds like your brain doesn't work. Well, somebody's brain's not working, especially since you didn't even look at these things with timing in your response. But I chimed in. I said, I love how this is literally in reply to a post linking to numerous peer-reviewed studies that show exactly what this account is dismissing. This is willful ignorance for a chosen side. Now, I'm not hyperbolically speaking there. These, in these links, 
they literally show exactly what they're saying isn't happening in the conversation. There's more engagement back and forth. But this person says, numerous peer-reviewed studies? Ha, that's hilarious. And this is, by the way, of course, this before or after they blocked me, because that's what, you know, honest, courageous people do is respond and then quickly block, right? But she's laughing. He or she is laughing. Like they're not peer-reviewed studies? Like, this is my point. How could they don't even look at it? I mean, the links are right there. You can see that it says journals, Israeli uh, Science Direct, NCBI. They probably don't even know what those are because they're only listening to what the CDC says the science is, right? My bottom line point is they are saying, ha ha, peer-reviewed science, that can't be true. It's right in front of them. This person says, just look at the studies. That's all I'm saying. At this point, I was blocked. So I step back in, responding to this person. I say, what's hilarious is that I literally posted the study links. They're right above. And yes, peer-reviewed science. A, a few of the many saying the same. I guess the old saying is true. You can lead a COVID vaxxer to facts, but you can't make them think. Now, I'm just trying to make a joke. Obviously, I probably shouldn't have. It's, I'm not going to reach them by making fun of them. But come on, guys. That is crazy. The kind of pushback like that is ridiculous. And since then, they've commented more. This person says, that's hilarious. Trust the science. Here's some science. Block the science. <laughs> that's just fantastic. That's what's happening. It wasn't science. It was propaganda. Now, look, you could even you could maybe argue that the video is propaganda because I'm saying things, but I'm looking and read. Well, I'm not even saying things. I'm literally reading science. I, I didn't put my opinion in there at all. This was a clip of me reading the science. But the link that they're responding to is the posted peer reviewed science. I mean, for crying out loud. It wasn't science. It was propaganda. Randy says, so you're admitting peer-reviewed science studies are not the end-all be-all, making the same point that we're making. Like, so it's, so it's not trust the science. It's only trust some of the science. But they just don't even respond to what the person says. They just go, mass are proven to work. Okay, so it's team sports. You've chosen a side. You've chosen an idea. And everything else that says otherwise or even suggestively possibly might say otherwise is don't look la 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 propaganda. And of course, the point is the propaganda immediately started talking about cloth masks. Okay, so I'm talking about cloth masks, which are shown not to work. They say, which don't work very well, except this was the same person, which, by the way, go look at their timeline, who were pushing the idea that cloth masks were going to save the world in 2020, 2021, up until they, for no reason, said they don't work now. Try these ones. There was no new science. So they're happy to just trot along with what they're told. But the point was that, yes, that was an important point. But the other five peer-reviewed studies were about other kinds, including N95s. But doesn't matter because they stopped listening instantaneously. It was disingenuous and anti-masker, vaxxer, get blocked. Anti-vaxxer is true science. Okay. The mass and slaves, it doesn't matter. The point, you get the point, guys. That's called self-censorship in a different way. You're not censoring yourself, but you're censoring ideas from reaching your brain. This is a problem. But... It can't stop us from working. I don't believe this is everybody, but man, this is an interesting point. Now, on the idea of the tightly controlled flow of information and misinformation, I want this point to be seen very clearly because we have been making this repeatedly, especially in 2020 into 2021, right in the beginning of all of this. I mean, probably 15 different shows. We kept beating this dead horse. Epic Times, July 25th, yesterday. And this has been other places too. It's all over the place right now. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection. And I think we overplayed the vaccines. 
Well, yeah, that's not groundbreaking news because Burke said it. It's important because she plays a central role in Trump's administration. So maybe this is prepping for the new election run and where he'll admit that they always knew it was bad and we're now finding out and hey, he's on our side again. And so so they allowed it to hurt people up until now. It's like, don't think too hard into it. Just vote for Trump. You know, that's where it's going to go, guys. That's what I feel anyway. But the bottom line is the data has always been there. I've always been saying this. But yeah, we're censored. People don't see it. You know, the larger independent media shun us and we don't get pointed at. So nothing happens. Right. But it's been there. It's been talked about by Forbes. It's been in the pro- in the documentation. So why is it breaking news now? Well, here's what it said. Remember this? September 23rd, 2020. The COVID-19 vaccine protocols reveal that trials are designed to succeed. Now, that may sound benign until you read what he means. This is really important and more than just the transmission. Let this sink in, guys. This is I mean, this is in, I mean, to, to dance back to 2020. This should blow up everything right now because he was right. It says this unusually transparent action about showing what they think what their their studies were doing or their their trials were going, which by the way they very quickly stopped doing right until we forced them to, and this is probably why. This unusually transparent action during a major drug trial deserves praise. Close inspection of the protocols raises surprising concerns. These trials seem designed to prove their vaccines work, even if the measures effect measured effects are minimal, which means they gamed it. They made sure what they were aiming for were just to see brief, short-term examples of reducing, not removing, reducing mild symptoms and acting like that was the godsend vaccine that saved lives. 90 to 100% effective. That's what they sold it as. Using relative, pretending it stopped transmission. It was a lie from every possible angle. They knew it from the, the very beginning. Pfizer, I mean, and the government after they looked at it and didn't care. The FDA after they looked at it and didn't care. The CDC after they looked at it and didn't care. All of them. Prevention of infection must be a critical endpoint. Right, it's funny how that's fake news today. That's never what it was. No vaccine stop everything. It's about symptoms. That's all the bleeding people on Twitter. But that's not what they were saying in the beginning. And that's not what the experts were saying before they started trying to lie to you. Any vaccine trial should include regular antigen testing every three days to test contagiousness to pick up early signs of infection. Prevention of infection is not a criterion for success for any of the vaccines they're pushing on you right now. In fact, their endpoints all require confirmed infections and all those they will include in the analysis for success, the only difference being the severity of symptoms between the vaccinated and unvaccinated. That's the only thing they sought. How do you explain that other than they didn't want you to see anything else? Remember, I even quoted, I think it was Tal Zaks on the record, saying that, look, if they wanted to find out transmission, they could have paid us. They just would have had to pay more. We would have had a longer study. Nope, doesn't matter, because they knew it wouldn't. And that's what he says in this, too. The point is, there all the things they were trying to aim for needed confirmed infections to the end, which means they knew, they made sure that the only thing they were looking for were infections until they left that's a guaranteed way to make sure you're not fine, even care, look, looking to see if transmission was being stopped. Why would you do that unless you knew that it wouldn't and you didn't want it to be picked up on? Measuring differences among only those infected by SARS-CoV-2 underscores the implicit conclusion that the vaccines are not expected to prevent infection, only modify symptoms of those infected, not remove the symptoms, modify the symptoms. September 2020 from Forbes. You know why? Because he was looking directly at the trial data. It's still the same thing now, guys. We all expect an effective vaccine to prevent serious illness if infected, right? 
it's funny how that just, it's fake news now. We never expected that. That's never been the case. Three of the vaccine protocols, Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, do not require that their vaccine prevent serious disease. How in the world, is, that's, that's blatantly the opposite of what we're being told today. Only that they prevent moderate symptoms, which may be as mild as a cough or a headache. That's it. The greatest fear people have is dying from this disease. A vaccine must significantly or entirely reduce deaths from COVID-19. That's not what's happening. None list mortality as a critical endpoint. So now as they keep screaming at you that's reducing death based on the simple assumption that because they're giving it that people are dying less, not because of the data shows, this proves to you they don't know. They never even set it as one of the critical endpoints. Vaccine efficacy is typically proved by large clinical trials over several years, which didn't happen, which, by the way, it is happening, but in your body right now in real time. The fast surprise, first surprise found upon a closer reading of the protocols reveals that each study intends to complete, to complete interim and primary analyses that at most include 164 participants. That's what happened too. James Corbett's gone over this. Plenty of people have highlighted this. It's the way that the end results, they have all these people in the trials, but they kick these people out for this reason. They cut it down to this. They reduce the people of this age. And it comes down to what they're talking about. A very small grouping of people. And then within that, what the breakdown is. So the percentage becomes meaningless when you have this small amount. That's what we're finding out in real time today. These companies likely intend to apply for emergency use authorization. But look at that. They did from the FDA with just their limited preliminary results. Like, that's insulting to him in this article. That's ridiculous. They did it, and they went along with it. We're watching criminal activity here, guys. Interim analysis succeed, so, excuse me, interim analysis success requires a 70% efficacy, which is why they lied and used relative risk reduction, because if it was absolute, you're looking at a 0.8% reduction. That's what it translated to. We've shown you that clip many times. They lied. 95% relative risk reduction. For Moderna, the interim analysis include, includes giving the vaccine to only 53 people. Their success margin is for 13 or less of those 53 to develop symptoms compared to 40 or more in the control group. For J&J, their interim analysis includes 77, with a success margin of 18 or less developing symptoms. For AstraZeneca, they used 50 vaccine recipients with a success margin of 12 or less developing symptoms. Pfizer is even smaller. What a shock. Their initial group includes 32 vaccine recipients with a success margin of seven or less developing symptoms compared to 25 in the control group. The primary analyses are a bit more expanded, but need to be less efficacious for success. About 60%. And it's still relative, so even less. AstraZeneca, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and Pfizer have primary analyses that distribute the vaccine to only 100, 151, 154, and 164 participants, respectively. So Pfizer would be 164. These companies state that they do not intend to stop trials after the primary analyses, but there is every chance that they intend to pursue an EUA, emergency use authorization, and focus on manufacturing the vaccine rather than further thorough testing. Well, you know what happened, don't you? Because you're living it. And you became the experiment. The second surprise from these protocols is how mild the requirements for contracting COVID-19 symptoms are, which means they opened the broad net and swept in everything, flu, pneumonia, the symptoms they're looking for. A careful reading reveals that the minimum qualification for a case 
of what they're calling COVID-19 is simply a wildly high false positive PCR test and one or two mild symptoms. That's it, guys. That includes fever, headache, cough, mild nausea. So anybody could have the flu at a false positive test and bing, bang, boom, you're a COVID-19 clue. And that is a way that they were gaming this from the beginning. These vaccine trials are testing to prevent common cold symptoms. These trials certainly do not give assurance that the vaccine will protect from the serious consequences of COVID-19. And guess what? We're finding out they don't. Johnson & Johnson, and they knew this, guys, Johnson & Johnson is the only trial that requires the inclusion of severe COVID cases and at least five for the 75 participant interim analysis. One of the more immediate questions a trial needs to answer is whether a vaccine prevents infection. These trials all clearly focus on eliminating symptoms from COVID-19 and not infections themselves. All of them. It's the same idea that they all simultaneously succeeded when every company's failed for coronavirus vaccines for up until now. And then four different companies succeed within months simultaneously. I mean, that's just stupid. Same thing here. We're going to pretend that they're either working together or it's the biggest coincidence in the history of coincidences. They all did the same thing, focused on the same things and pushed the same ideas. It all, it appears that all the pharmaceutical companies assume that the vaccine will never prevent infection. That's Forbes saying this. Their criteria for approval is the difference in symptoms between an infected control group and an infected vaccine group. They knew this, guys. They aimed for it. A greater concern for the millions of people, millions of older people, and those with pre-existing conditions is whether these trial tests, trials test the vaccine's ability to prevent severe illness and death. Again, we find that severe illness and death are only secondary objectives in these trials. None list the prevention of death and hospitalization as a critically important barrier. But yet that's the first thing they tout when selling it to people today. Of total infections, hospitalizations, and death, are go if total infections, hospitalizations, and death are going to be ignored in the preliminary trials of the vaccines, then there must be phase four testing to monitor their safety and efficacy. It's not happening except in your body is the point. This would be long-term, massive-scale monitoring of the vaccine. It is happening right now in your body. There must be an indication that the authorized vaccines are reducing infection. They're not. In fact, it's proving they're increasing it in the injected hospitalization and death, which that's not happening, or else they will not be able to stop the pandemic. And here we are. It's almost like he was psychic. It boggles the mind, he says, and defies common sense that the National Institute of Health, the CDC, and the NIH, and the NIAID, and the rest would consider the approval of a vaccine that would be distributed to hundreds of millions of such slender threads of success. On such slender threads of success. But that's what they did. And they're still pushing it on that right now. I mean, how do you make sense of this, guys? You ignore it. It's like the person ignored the masks. They ignore it. Well, propaganda, because I'm not supposed to think this. It appears that these trials are intended to pass the lowest possible barrier of success. He says, it is my hope that these new standards for the emergency use authorization will at a minimum, because they're talking about proposing new, new standards, will at a minimum include requirements for protections from infection itself. They didn't. They went the other direction. Protections from severe virus-related disease leading to hospitalization and a significant improvement in COVID-19-related mortality. They didn't. Remember? It got worse. They made it flimsy at best. They're able to push this in with such small, low-bar standards. It, it, it is insulting. 
They say he said it is clear from these studies that the vaccines currently under trial will not be the silver bullet needed to end the pandemic. That, that's what they at this time they were screaming that was wrong. That's the right thing. We're going to save everybody, and he knew it. So either he saw so he's making it all up, but ended up luckily guessing the right thing, or he saw the same thing we did that they're now calling fake news, and he was looking directly at the data. The FDA poising to announce tougher standards for these vaccines in the near future did not happen. They passed it one after another, emergency authorized one after another based on not stopping transmission. And that's his point here. We're being gamed. We're being played. And I know you guys see it, but we need to get other people to see this. Now, on the idea of the the injections we're talking about, like, so they rushed this out. Now, whether they meant this to happen or it was a, you know, incompetence kind of idea. We now know that we are seeing this translate to injections causing vaccine-acquired immunodeficiency, VADES, which, you know, HIV stands for human immunodeficiency virus, which the argument is causes AIDS, which that's up for dispute by a lot of experts. Same with the co-overlap between what they say is SARS-CoV-2 and what they say is COVID-19. In this case, you could argue maybe all of it's a complete illusion, but you're not allowed to ask these questions. Just check out Denny Rancourt's massive peer-reviewed study that very clearly finds that this it, it could and likely is an illusion. But it's interesting. We're watching the VADES thing roll out. We're watching immune systems be hurt. We're watching the UK say, if we keep giving these, and Israel as well, that we're going to hurt people's immune systems. Well, what are we calling that? Immunodeficiency? I mean, this is exactly what we're talking about. So I wanted to, as I was looking for this article, I, I stumbled on a few Forbes articles I thought were interesting. This one is from, that I've already talked about. From 2020 October. Remember, we've already talked about this in depth. Researchers warned that some of the injections could increase the risk of HIV infection. Now remember, this was simply anything that used or incorporated the adenovirus 5 as a vector, AD5. Now that's not Pfizer as far as I understand it or Moderna, but that does mean that there were injections that were being tested and used and even ones right now or at least possibly already in use. The newer ones, there was at least two or two versions that used adenovirus 5. Fauci himself is on the record saying that this is a, a danger for causing HIV transmission. There was a whole thing about this in the past. I, I did a whole show on this. But I just want to trigger this in your mind to think that's right. There was a connection already to this and people's bodies, and we're watching it happen. And we're also seeing this weird overlap for what they're calling monkeypox and HIV, right? We'll come to that in a minute. Before we get to that, check this out. China just approved genuine biotech's HIV drug for COVID patients. How in the world do you make sense of that? Unless we're dealing with something that's not what they're calling COVID. We're dealing with some kind of immunodeficiency that they're calling COVID, just like we saw during HIV and AIDS. And that's what we are seeing to a degree. AIDS, it's happening. So here they start giving it to them. What do they say? Well, the drug, the Azu, Az, uh, Azvudine tablet, which China approved in July this month, uh, in, oh, excuse me, in July last year to treat certain HIV. So not this is before COVID or rather bef- during COVID, but for HIV, they claimed. Just as interesting, by the way, why that would happen in the midst of this problem, but has been given a, compu- a conditional green light to treat patients with normal type COVID. Okay, is COVID a immunodeficiency problem or is it a respiratory virus? How in the world are you going to pretend that HIV drugs will deal with respiratory viruses? It says in late stage clinical trial, they're saying 40.4%. So a little less than 10% shy of 50% of people 
who took this drug showed improvement in symptoms seven days after taking the drug who had COVID-19 or who were told they did? Or did they have some kind of vaccine-induced immunodeficiency that was being helped by an immunodeficiency drug? I mean, fair question. The point is, first of all, there's limited information coming out of this from China, but they're doing, they're approving or they're, they're giving this drug to people with COVID or what they're calling COVID. That seems very strange to me. As I said, an HIV drug to treat COVID or an HIV drug to hide the VAIDS epidemic created by the injections that they're calling COVID, right? The fair question to ask. Then let's not forget, going to 2019, Forbes, that they've been working on all sorts. This is just one of many different discussions of gain-of-function research that was going way past 2014 and that involved flu, that involved all the kind of things we're dealing with today that very well could be what led to what we're calling COVID-19 today. Just something to think about. And as it says, for more than a decade now, two scientists, one in the U.S. and one in the Netherlands, have been trying to create a deadly human pathogen from avian influenza. Remember all these bird flu hypes and people killing chickens and all these different things? Well, it goes, that's right. They're trying to turn bird flu, which does not normally infect people, into human flu. Not surprisingly, many scientists are vehemently opposed to this. In mid-2014, the group of them formed the Cambridge Working Group and issued a statement warning of the dangers of this research, gain-of-function research. The statement was signed by hundreds of scientists at virtually every major U.S. and European university. what they do? They kept doing it and later outsourced it somewhere else. Because they care about what every, like, this is what they would push as a consensus. They apparently only care about a consensus when they force it in and tell you what they want you to think. When they actually stand up and say, nope, that's dangerous, they just don't listen. At this point, people were far less tuned into the worries of these things. It says, in response to these and other concerns in October 2014, the NIH and Dr. Collins, or Director Collins, said that they would study the risks and benefits before proceeding further. And this is when they pushed out to Wuhan and everything else. But it says four years later, well, the risks and benefits haven't changed. It's just as dangerous. But the NIH in 2019 has quietly allowed the research to start, as we learned last week in an exclusive report. So why doesn't that matter? You mean they're doing gain-of-function research when they're not supposed? Yes. Just because they want to call it EPPP research doesn't change the fact that this is dangerous. Now, he says, I can't allow this to go unchallenged. This research is so potentially harmful and others such little and offer such little benefit to society that I fear the NIH is endangering the trust that Congress places in it. Here's the important part to take away, guys. These two people involved have also argued that we can use their work to create stockpiles of vaccines in advance. Here's this faulty, flimsy argument that even you're going to hear right in a moment, Forbes and corporate media exposing as a ridiculous child-level argument, child he says, yeah, right. We don't even stockpile vaccines for the seasonal flu because it mutates too fast. So we have to produce new vaccines each year. And this is my point, the notion that anyone can predict a future pandemic strain so precisely that we could design a vaccine based on their prediction is laughable. Why can't the corporate, the corporate world and the mainstream world acknowledge how obvious that is? So we're going to just hope that this bioterrorist on the other side of the world happens to manipulate smallpox in exactly the way that you did just to make... That's stupid. It is as dumb as it gets. They're making weapons and they're hiding it behind vaccine research if they're even making them at all. And that's it. I can't quite fathom, he says, why NIH seems to be enraptured with the work of these two labs that, rather than simply deny them funding, 
it has ignored the warnings of hundreds of scientists and now risks creating a new influenza pandemic. Much as I hate to say this, maybe it's time for Congress to intervene. Well, guess what, Stephen? Congress is involved. That's the reality. The point, the real question is, just well, the point first is to see this is happening. It's still happening. But now the question should be, is that what we're dealing with? Or was it one of the other ones? What we're dealing with? Was it the Wuhan one? That got, was it, I mean, that's a real question to ask. Did they do this? And now they're covering it up. That's not a new question. We've all been asking that. But just think about how obvious this is. Even being done when it's not supposed to. And then, of course, I just like this one to include because don't forget, Forbes is now in 2020 still, but you must not do your own research when it comes to science. Don't think for yourself because it's that obvious, guys. And how embarrassing. There's, pl- you know, there's plenty of people out there that aren't scientists that are far smarter than people in many scientific fields. Just because you have an expertise in certain scientific fields does not make you an intelligent person. Think about that, guys. There's plenty of people out there that are pretty dense that may have high level intelligence when it comes to certain fields. That's street smarts or just general intelligence versus book smarts or overlapping of both. There's plenty of people out there that are pretty, that like choose to ignore certain things. Anyway, the point is, guys, there's so much on the table right now that we need to acknowledge, especially the reality that this has always been the case from day one. They're just changing the narrative. Now, to move to an article that very interestingly, Forbes unpublished. Now, that's not altering. That's that. This is interesting to me. Unpublished. The article was unpublished. Now, was that by Forbes? I mean, I don't I don't really know. In any case, somebody took the action to literally unpublish this from their website, which means they had access to the Forbes interface, whether it's WordPress or whatever they use, and they unpublished the article. That's an action taken. That's why it says that. You want to see why? I know you do. We've already covered this. Why the who faked a pandemic? That's Forbes.com, guys. From 2010. Let's read it again in case you forgot. Because we're gonna get we're gonna show this one again briefly when we get done, because this is happening again. It's this is two different examples, 2010 and 2011, where the WHO was being called out by Forbes and then by its own people for faking in pandemics in exactly the way we're calling out today. Follow along. The WHO has suddenly gone from crying the sky is falling like a cackling chicken little to squealing like a stuck pig. The reason? Charges that the agency deliberately fomented swine flu hysteria. You've all seen the clip. I'm not going to play it today for interest of time, but this is Forbes.com, just so we're clear on that. It says, the world is going through a real pandemic. The description of it as a fake is wrong and irresponsible, the agency claims on its website. A WHO spokesman declined to specify who or what gave the description, <laughs> but the primary accuser is hard to ignore. So somebody steps up anonymously and says, you're lying, but they won't acknowledge who said that because they're telling the truth. Of course. The point is it's proven they're lying, guys, just so we know. This is an old article. The Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, a human rights watchdog, publicly is investigating their WHO's motives in declaring a pandemic. Indeed, the chairman of its influential health committee, epidemiologist Wolfgang Woodarg, who we've heard from many times, who's been calling this out, has declared that the false pandemic is one of the greatest medical medicine scandals of all of the century. Even within the agency, the director of the WHO Collaborating Center for Epidemiology in Munster, Germany, Dr. Ehrlich Kiel, has essentially labeled the pandemic a hoax. Right. So so far, for those that heard Wolfgang Woodard and said, oh, that's one of those names I'm supposed to dismiss. As fake news, because his life's been debunked. Well, too bad, guys. He was simply saying the same thing that the WHO Collaborating Center for Epidemiology was also saying. 
You can call them anti-science fake news too? Probably. We are witnessing a gigantic misallocation of resources, $18 billion at that time, in terms of public health. That's according to WHO themselves. They're right, the article says. It wasn't merely overcautiousness or simple misjudgment. The pandemic declaration and all the klaxon ringing sense reflect sheer dishonesty, motivated not by medical concerns, but by political ones. Why can't we see this? This was less than a decade ago, or technically, this is 2010, so a little a decade or so ago, 12 years. That's crazy. That's not that long ago, guys. It says, unquestionably, Swine flu has proved to be vastly milder than even the flu. Starting to sound familiar? We're right there now, and we're only going to get this admitted way down the line when they step into the next illusion. It kills a third at to a tenth the rate, according to the CDC themselves. Data from other countries like France and Japan indicate it's far tamer than that. They took all sorts of crazy action, $18 billion. All sorts of injections were given to the military. Guys, this was a fraud. Did the WHO have any indication? By the way, don't forget, it, they, they did it also in, in the 70s. The same swine flu illusion. We played that clip many times. Did the WHO have any indicators of this mildness when it declared the pandemic in June? Absolutely, writes Forbes.com. As I wrote at the time, we were then fully 11 weeks into the outbreak, they called it, and swine flu had only killed 144 people worldwide. The same number who die of seasonal flu worldwide every few hours, according to them anyway. But how could the organization declare a pandemic when its own official definition required, this is where it gets important, simultaneous epidemics worldwide with enormous numbers of deaths and illness? Severity, that is, the number of deaths, is crucial because every year flu causes a global spread of disease. Now, they're quoting what the WHO is saying. Easy, he says, in May, in what it admitted was a direct response to the outbreak of swine flu the month before, WHO promulgated a new definition matched to swine flu that simply eliminated the severity as a factor. Well, look at that. We'll change definitions to meet what we want, like recession and whatever else we want to talk about today. You could now have a pandemic with zero deaths. Welcome to monkeypox pandemic, right? Under fire, the organization is boldly lying about the change, to which anybody with an internet connection can attest. Read more. It's all in there. You can, they've proven all, this is what happened, guys. But there's more than bureaucratic self-interest at work here. Bizarrely enough, the WHO has also exploited its phony pandemic to push a hard left political agenda. Take a listen to this. In a September speech, this is written in 2010, the WHO Director General Chan said, quote, ministers of health should take advantage of the devastating impact, which didn't happen, by the way, swine flu will have on poorer nations to get out the message that, quote, changes in the functioning of the global economy are needed to, quote, distribute wealth on the basis of values like community, solidarity, equity, and social justice. Well, that's similar, isn't it? If not exactly what we're seeing today. She further declared it should be used as a weapon against, quote, international policies and systems that govern financial markets, economies, commerce, trade, and foreign affairs. My God. Well, this was, I guess, try one, maybe before that, and they're trying again. It's the exact same thing. Except this time, it seems they either created problems to, that they couldn't, they couldn't be called, accused for saying it's a devastating impact when it really wasn't. So they point to the things they caused or 
Maybe it was just malfeasance and it happened by accident. It doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, it matters, but in the context of the fact that we're being lied to. This is incredible. This was 2010. Well, one year later, the WHO spoke up themselves and called the same thing out. As you guys have all seen, 2011, the repeated pandemic health scares caused by avian, as well as the swine flu, human influenza virus are part of a culture of fear, according to the WHO themselves, or rather these two from the WHO. Worst case thinking was posted on their website. But by the way, I have to use the Wayback Machine or Archive because it's no longer there. Because that's what honest people do. They hide this stuff, right? It says, worst case thinking replaced balanced risk assessment. That's where we are. That's where they were then. Same thing, guys. The pandemic policy was never informed by evidence, but by fear of worst case scenarios. Exactly. In both pandemics of fear, the exaggerated claims of a severe public health threat stemmed primarily from disease advocacy by influence experts like Dr. Fauci and everybody else. Even people like Imperial College of London, like Imperial, Imperial College of London. In the highly competitive market of health governance, the struggle for attention, budgets, and grants is fierce. The pharmaceutical industry and the media only reacted to this welcome boon. Same thing today. It's crazy that we can't see this. We therefore need fewer, not more, pandemic preparedness plans or definitions. They're apparently not, they don't care, they're not listening. Disease experts wish to capture public attention and sway resource allocation decisions in favor of the disease of their interest. This is the WHO in 2011 saying that if you said this today, you'd be called a crazy madman. It's worse today. The key to responsible policymaking is not bureaucracy, but accountability and independence from interest groups. But they went the other direction, obviously. Decisions must be based on adaptive responses to emerging problems and not definitions. You see, the point was the leader at the time then of the WHO did the same thing that Tedros is doing today. Screams about the fear and the danger and uses it to drive in their political agenda. How much more clear can that get? Now, talking about monkeypox, because that's what we're at right now. COVID's still happening. That's still going. They're still pushing boosters. So that's already part of it. But they're, they're right now increasing their hype and push for monkeypox. There has not been a single death outside of Africa. You can't even prove that these cases are, in fact, monkeypox as using PCR tests. This is crazy and alarming. So coming off the idea of what they, we just read from then to now, from the beginning of the COVID illusion to now, and all the lies they still push, as I wrote, as they push monkeypox injections, Actually, I want to make sure I grab this too. Let me get this loaded while I'm reading this. I want to give you my last show I did on this. As they push monkeypox injections, you might want to truly inform yourself about both the explicit dangers of these injections that the media won't tell you about and the flimsy research used to justify them using smallpox jabs for monkeypox. Here's the last article. I want to make sure you get this, this one. So I went over this in depth again for the second time. It was ahead of the, ahead of the curve last time. But here's just one image, guys. This is the most up-to-date treatment page on the CDC. 2022 U.S. monkeypox outbreak. It says, there are no treatments specifically for monkeypox virus infections, which means all the ones they're giving you were tailored for smallpox and have been adapted for monkeypox. Vaccines developed to protect against smallpox may be used to prevent the treat monkeypox virus infections. Then, if you want to watch this show, actually, I might as well grab this one because this is actually pretty crazy. It literally says in the documentation that these things that are being given, that's the wrong one, and the, the smallpox injections that they're giving you, that's the ones that they're conflating with, you know, and, and approving for monkeypox, literally says, 
serious reactions for these smallpox vaccinations they're currently using. I went over this in depth. Serious, which they somehow sidestep, but not life-threatening, which is not, that's not the definition of serious. They do life-threatening down here, which is about 14 to 52 out of every 1 million, which is far too many. That's death. But one in every thousand people are expected to experience some of these things they list off. One of which is, guess what, guys? Literally being able to spread whatever this is to people next to you. Right? It says it usually occurs in the genitals or face, which basically touching the vaccination site and then touching a part of your body or somebody else, you can spread vaccinia. Guys, that's smallpox. Or rather, I believe it's cowpox or some sort of pox. But the point is, you're, you're taking an injection for smallpox or monkeypox and being able to spread this to other people. One in every thousand of them. And they're pushing this right now for people that aren't getting sick that bad and aren't even dying. This is an absolutely a laugh out loud, incredibly ridiculous. So on top of that, I'll include those since I brought them up, but on top of that, realize that the information they're using and watch the show, if you don't believe me, to argue these things work for monkeypox in all cases are using smallpox data in most cases for animals and saying that it transfers to people for monkeypox. I'm not making this up. And that's the same argument. And they have high levels of danger. The smallpox are called the most dangerous vaccines on earth, according to scientists, because they're dangerous. They hurt people. They just argued smallpox is so dangerous. This is enough, but not for monkeypox, but they're still using them. None of them are approved for children. And they're very clear about the dangers for children. But guys, this gets crazy outrageous when you realize that they're already giving them to children. Biden has already allowed children to get this. But this is apparently scientific. This is alarming. Biden and admin ways declaring a monkeypox public health emergency right after WHO totally following suit plans to name the national coordinator to oversee the response. So now are we going to name a national coordinator for monkeypox and then pretend that it's not going to become a thing? This is incredible. Based on what we're seeing, how in the world can you call this an emergency? Even the COVID-19 wasn't even an emergency. And yet here we are with something that's barely even a blip. And you know why they're calling it that? Well, because worst case scenario right? It could become, we got to get ahead of it. And that's the point. Worst case thinking replaced balanced risk assessment, and it controls your life. Here is the WHO doctor, or excuse me, the White House doctor saying, we have procured more monkeypox vaccines than probably every other country in the world combined. Yeah, but we're not going to use them or anything, right? Even if that is true, why are you allowing to spend your tax dollars on this right now? Then, to cross over to HIV, don't forget, as Dr. Peter McCullough made clear in his recent post, monkeypox virus infection in humans across 16 counties. Big study. Guess what they found? 41% had HIV. How do you explain that? Now, they're going to try to pass this off as the, it's only happening amongst men and have sex with men, and we'll, of course, ignore the absurd overlap to their woke politics that they don't acknowledge in that conversation. But the funny part about this is 41% of HIV, that's not, as, that's not even supposed to be as prevalent as AIDS is today, or HIV, that's not acknowledging the illusion that that seems to be. But 41% have HIV? Gee, I wonder why China's treating COVID-19 as HIV. This something here, guys. There's something going on because I feel like this is a massive overlap to cover up a lot of different things that are happening simultaneously, but they're already giving this stuff out. Also, swelling of the lymph nodes was reported in 56%, and then it says no deaths were reported. Zero. 
So knowing that they have some weird overlap with HIV, what they're calling monkeypox, let's, and don't forget that the injections that they were giving already out in the world had some interesting overlap with HIV. Let's talk about how that may be used. Oh, actually, I think that, oh, that's, oh, did I mix that up? I think I did. Hold on one sec. Give me a little brief heads up on what I'm doing here. Yeah, shoot, I think I must have got, oh, I think I closed what I had open. Well, in any case, the point was overlap and cover up. I think it's pretty obvious that there's questionable at the very least data on this and whether that's what we're dealing with. It doesn't spread the same. It's infecting different people. It's spread around the world all of a sudden. What changed? Doesn't that matter? Doesn't it matter that it's doing different things that it's never been seen to do before? Like, how about the possibility that's not what we're dealing with? And that I've shown you many times in this study, in this show specifically, that like the five, six different things the vaccines they're giving can cause that look exactly like what they're calling monkeypox. I mean, God, it's just incredible where we are right now. But then going over to how they're claiming other things are anything else. We've seen this stuff everywhere. Whether we're talking about I mean, just start with this first picture. This just kind of encapsulates all of it. But, you know, heart attacks, hepatitis, everything is everything everywhere else except the thing we know causes it, right? We're like, these cause blood clots. And then when we see a blood clot, we're like, it's probably the sun. You probably slept too much. Maybe you ran too hard. Maybe you're too, over everything else possible. But vaccine, no, that's fake news. But, well, that's the only one that we can prove. It's, it's, it's incredible. Here's what it says. Hair loss and sexual dysfunction now join the list of long COVID symptoms. Really? My jokes are becoming more and more accurate. The the, the Rogaine argument, <laughs> losing hair. Like, this is unreal. As I said, it's not hyperbolic to say that almost every symptom possible can now be claimed, either directly or indirectly, as a COVID symptom. That's not hyperbolic, guys. Think about how crazy it is. It's literally everything, especially because they start with all the basic everything symptoms. It's runny nose, sniffles, cough, headache, like everything everywhere seems to cause that. But then you add on the things that are all over the place. Remember what? Remember my joke about COVID toe? You guys look this up. I made that up before that was ever even real. I made that joke because it sounded stupid. Oh, my toes hurt. Oh, I didn't say I didn't call it COVID toe, but I said, oh, my toes hurt. COVID nineteen. I was I was joking. I I tried to th- grasp at the dumbest thing I could think of, and then a month later, oh, toes turning purple. COVID toe. Well, how about the fact that it's a circulation problem or a blood clot causing your blood to flow differently? But no, COVID nineteen. Why? Because that's the only thing it can be. That's not science. That's assumption in the direction of your narrative. But here we are. As I said, this is because anything and everything is being labeled COVID. We know that. We're being played, but I think you guys already knew that. Here it is, just in case you want to read the article for yourself. I don't think I highlighted anything. Now, on that same note, remember that we're, ta- we're talking about everything being COVID. Well, I want to make sure you see the evolution of this false information, even coming from Fauci. Thank you for El Hombre for making this clear, because this is a a clip that I've referenced many times, but I don't think I've played for you. So I want to play this one first from Disclosed TV, and then I'll play you what he said first before we changed or he changed his tune for whatever reason. Oh, now, two and a half years later, that anywhere from 50 to 60 percent of the transmission occur from someone without symptoms, either someone who never will get symptoms. You know, you know, except all the science that says otherwise, though, right? Like the peer-reviewed study of 10 million people that found 300 asymptomatic people, none of which were transmissible. 
or any other ones that have found very similar things, except the one that you guys point at. Is that how science works? You trust the one you like and ignore everything else, according to COVID-19 land. Or someone who is in the pre-symptomatic stage. Had we known that then... Now, by the way, sorry to interrupt again. People that are in the pre-symptomatic stage, which is a very small window, is not asymptomatic. That's a very small window, and usually there's some indication. Usually by the time you, like, oh, I feel a little bit off today. And then if you want to be safe, then stay home, right? But, you know, God forbid you should give somebody something that they're not at risk from, that 99.9% of people don't. I mean, it's a joke to pretend that that's even dangerous to go out. That's like saying you have a common cold, stay home because you're going to kill everybody, right? You probably should still stay home if you have any kind of illness because it's just courteous. But that's not how the world works. We've all been in jobs where you're sick and they're like, get in anyway. (laughs) Funny how COVID changed all of that. The insidious nature of spread in the community would have been much more of an alarm and there would have been much, much more stringent uh, restrictions in the sense of very, very heavy encouraging people to wear masks, physical distancing or what have you. Interesting. Right. I mean, it's, it's very different, isn't it? Now, where was I have the other one? Let me see. Oh, right. There it is. So this is what he was saying before, or this is what he's saying today, excuse me, right? He said, oh, and wish and would have been much worse if we would have understood the, the rest of the, the asymptomatic, right? Is that real? Well, that's what he's saying now, because that's all they have to grasp onto. Here's what he said in the beginning of this. Oh, now. Yeah, to just add one thing that seems to get lost in that question is that as Bob said, and I agree, we would really like to see the data because if there is asymptomatic transmission, it impacts certain policies that you do regarding screening, et cetera. Data like a 10 million person study over multiple areas? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And they still didn't care. But the one thing historically people need to realize that even if there is some asymptomatic transmission, in all the history of respiratory borne viruses of any type, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. The driver of outbreaks is always a symptomatic person. Even if there's a rare asymptomatic person that might transmit, an epidemic is not driven by asymptomatic carriers. Well, what do you know? Except that's not what he's saying now, quite a different tune, which is probably because we're not dealing with a respiratory problem, right? We're probably dealing with vaccine side effects or whatever they know they're trying to handle or not or whatever. Bottom line is, you don't, you, if you are actually an honest person in corporate media, you would go, you would address this and be like, I need you to explain that, right? What's the difference? What changed? Why do you think differently now? That doesn't happen because they're not paid to do that. Now, here's the craziest part. I keep pointing this out, and this is not a one-off, guys. They are literally telling you to test until you get a positive now. So what do you do do if you have COVID symptoms, but you keep testing negative at home? (laughs) What do you do? Test again. It says, if you're confused about why you're consistently testing negative on your at-home and in test, even though you're experiencing COVID symptoms, you're not the only one. Right. So you get the sniffles and you run to get a test because you're terrified of whatever they told you the current thing is. And you decide you get your, I mean, that, that, and you get a negative and you're going, no, oh, no, it's probably just not working. <laughs> how about you go, I got a test and it said negative. So I probably don't have this. Or how about you don't get a test in the first place and realize this is not dangerous to you. It's just more and more people are reporting 
that their at-home tests are coming back negative, even with what are clear symptoms of COVID. You mean like the sniffles, the cough, a headache, a nausea? That's a symptom of literally every possible thing out there. So that's why that's ridiculous. It says fever, fatigue, muscle aches, loss of taste or smell. Yeah, guys, don't forget, loss of taste or smell is a common flu side effect. It's amazing we just didn't care about that in the beginning and called that a unique COVID thing. It says, and experts are investigating if BA5's mutation is the reason. Ah, I see. So it mutated to be harder to detect. That's what they're arguing. BA5 and 4 are taking a little bit longer to appear positive. <laughs> you have a little bit longer. Just test it three or four more times and you'll get it. Wow. As mutation occurs, it may somehow change the structure. So this isn't based on science. They're going, well, it's not being found. So it could probably be that it changed enough to not be found. There you go. Did a scientist in a coat say that? Science. Wow. I mean, guy, it, it, it's just insulting to your intelligence. Just keep testing till you get it. Well, they're forcing this stuff regardless. They are continuing to force this on people, and they're still trying to frame, well, but we're not really forcing it, though, which is this tweet, this uh, clip that I've played numerous times. Oh, actually, no, I don't actually don't think I played this clip, but many clips in the same vein where they're kind of waffling about forcing you by acting that, yeah, you could choose to live in a shed somewhere with no technology or, you know, you can you can choose to stay in your home and not have access to food. But that's your choice because you're an anti-vaxxer, right? No, that's called forcing you from every possible angle in an unprecedented way. But here's what she says on in the vaccination roller, I think before we even acquired vaccines, both yourself and Minister Hipkins said that the vaccinations would never be forced on anyone, and yet the mandates have come. So, that- so in case you can't hear the accent, that they, they repeatedly said up and down they would never force these on people. So did everybody else, Biden, everybody else. They do, and they are. Here's what she says. That was the question over whether or not we would compel all New Zealanders to be vaccinated. Ah, there's her first sidestep. So we didn't compel all of them. Right? That anti-vaxxer over there didn't do it, so we didn't compel all of them. Well, yeah, you clearly tried to impel, impair, uh, to compel all of them. You threatened all of them. You, you quarantined everybody. You told them you wouldn't have a job. You wouldn't be able to tr- ride the bus. So just because they didn't give in doesn't mean you didn't try. I mean, what a cr- I mean, that's a bad political response, but that's what a political response, right? Well, we didn't succeed, so no, you're wrong. <laughs> My God. And we've firmly taken that view. We will not. And we have not. This is about certain workforces and workplaces where we've applied an assessment of whether or not we have a duty of care to look after those most vulnerable. Do you acknowledge that by appearing to sort of flip-flop on that issue, though, it has given the anti-vaxxing movement Well, I don't believe we have because the question always was, would we mandate vaccinations for all New Zealanders? And we haven't. Right. Oh, so the truth is giving anti-vaxxers ammunition? Like, what a dumb statement. How is it ammunition if it's true? I see. So you're, this one bad choice you made is not representative of everything else. And they're going to use that one point to say, look at how bad they are and make you think that everything else is that way. Well, guess what? Everything else is that way. And we don't have to fake it to show you that. But it doesn't matter because corporate media doesn't care, even, even when they can see it right in front of them. But as we've seen, Australia is forcing people. We just played this for you. I think I, I might even have the clip there still. I believe that's the one. Let's see. Queensland faces a severe third COVID wave. Seven News can reveal the police commissioner will mandate a fourth booster shot for officers aged over 50. The service is forging ahead with mandates while the state government moves further away from them.
Their mandate is to protect, and the Commissioner says she's protecting officers with mandates. Send- you just saw this. I just want to make it clear that this is happening in Australia, New Zealand, and the United States. It's happening all over the place, guys. They are forcing this on people still. this And don't forget, remember when this was fake news? I mean, every part we've said was fake news right up until it wasn't one by one like dominoes. But here we are now where, remember, it was like, they won't force you. Well, they won't force you to get another one. Well, they won't force you to get a third one. They won't call you unvaccinated if you don't get the fourth one. Well, welcome to your reality. You're now, what I mean, these people that don't get the fourth, rather, that's incorrect. The, the, this would be, as we pointed out before, the, the second booster, the fourth shot. But if you don't get the second booster shot, you're not you're un, you're not up to date. You're you are considered an unvaccinated person in the concept of how you're imply, engaging with the world around you in Australia. So what so what was the point of getting the first 3? The, you are on the hook if you ever stepped into it. And even now you can stop doing it. Just stop complying. It's bad and dangerous for you. Here's another example from Australia where the same thing and here's the point from one to the next as they force this on people still well, they have unexplainable outbreaks that we can't figure out. Well, except you can, because it's very, very obvious what's happening, except you just choose to ignore the most obvious problem in front of you. that coming up shortly, but first this morning, hospitalizations for COVID-19 have reached an all-time high across the country. 5,439 people are now in hospital with the virus. In the past week, more than 320,000 Australians have registered a COVID-positive result. But this current Omicron wave is yet to hit its peak. Now, note that what they're not doing, guys. You'll see this everywhere, even in U.S. corporate media. What, what, where's all the blaming of the uninjected? Right? Well, one, most of these places have been forced to really high levels of percentages to get at least one shot in everybody. So you're pretty screwed there now. Now they just go to the next part, which we keep telling you. Now it's the pandemic of the unboosted, which is just another extension of their same illusion. They are the ones, the people that are injected are the ones spreading and causing the problem. Everywhere you look, in the UK and everywhere else, we've been calling this out from the beginning. But now, because it's obvious, and especially in places that have such high, at least original shots, people are, they don't, they're just blaming other, they're blaming the, the dirty people that didn't get the booster. Discuss this, we're joined by General Practitioner Viom Sharma in Melbourne. Uh, good to see you, Viom. This is more hospitalizations than January this year at that huge Omicron wave. Just how concerning are these numbers? Oh, and don't forget, by the way, though, we're not talking hospitalizations and deaths. Everywhere you look, the Omicron is a, is a, a lot of cases, and they'll keep telling you quietly, but the hospitalization and death remains pretty stable. But everybody be scared of all the cases that aren't hurting people, right? We don't know, though, long COVID, except not really, psychosomatic. With the children, they're not getting it. It's not real. I mean, it's, it's just very clear. They're really concerning because, frankly, we're still dealing with the aftermath of that initial wave. With that initial wave, we saw people did not get uh, adequate uh, treatment, adequate diagnosis, uh, lots of permanent health issues as a result of that, um, delayed surgeries. This is all supposed to be the catch-up period, and yet we find ourselves back there again. Uh, Emergency departments clogged. Yeah, right. Well, the emergency clogged discussion is because we're talking in an ICU with, what, like 15 to 20 beds? 
And that's being clogged with all sorts of things that are being called COVID that are being dealt by the injections. Now, where'd the surge come from? Didn't they just inject like 90% of the population? Yeah, the surge is coming predominantly from the injected by their own statistics, which I've already shown you. That's why they're not saying any of that. They're just keeping, they're making it, they're just fear-mongering broadly about COVID-19. If this was a clear example of the unvaccinated problem, they would never stop saying that. But they're not. It's obvious why. Um, people are, are so, uh, the, the hospitals are so full of very sick people, we can't quite discharge them. And yet again, surgeries are being uh, delayed. So, you know, this, what was supposed to be the solution is now just yet kind of more of the problem. And uh, healthcare workers are just tired. Were we caught flat-footed here? We, I mean, we could see going, with the Europe and America going through their winter during January uh, as well, that there was a huge COVID wave then. Omicron was a part of that. Did we not prepared for this? I feel like the government, everyone just thought like, okay, we're all good now. And all of us in the population went, great, we're good to go back to normal. I mean, as opposed to what? Like, so what, so it was, so you met the numbers you said you were supposed to and oh, God forbid freedom. That's that. See, that's the takeaway. That's the moral of the story. Oh, we let people do what they wanted and they're the dumb peons and now we're sick again. So just when it's all building to the idea that they need to be the ones, the custodians of your health, because you're too dumb to know what's going on. That's where this leads to. I mean, for crying out loud, why don't we acknowledge these are not people that are not injected that are getting sick? Rather to say it correctly, the people getting sick are the people with injections in their body. See, on one hand, I can understand why the government said we don't want to have extremely strict mandates and restrict gatherings. See, the problem is that the mandates were already shown to not be successful. Like, this is what infuriates people like me, is how many times we have shown you the breakdown. Mandated places had worse problems. Mandated lockdowns had way incredibly bad problems, not just COVID related, but that too. Everything else exploded, including the things they didn't treat, which they called fake news until now they're using it. But just think about that, guys. It's obvious. They hurt people. The places with mask mandates were dramatically worse. And the Fogan effect and everything else we've shown you, peer-reviewed science is finding that over the top right now. They just don't tell you that if you're only watching corporate media. And I've posted the science. The studies are there, peer-reviewed, from high-level outlets. But there is a lot of wiggle room left between that and doing nothing. Uh, so we really dropped the ball, I think, on, on rapid tests, making them... Another point. Is it doing nothing to let people decide for themselves? You see, that's how they want to frame this. They're not doing nothing as, on top of that anyway. There's all sorts of stuff. There's all sorts of COVID actions and money being spent for emergencies. And they're not doing nothing. What they say, when they mean nothing, they mean not controlling your life. Oh, well, we did nothing and they got sick. So we need to step in and do something. Cheap and accessible for people. Yeah, People don't want to get sick and spread it to others if it's cheap and easy for them to do so. That wasn't really possible. Uh, yeah, the messaging on masks, even without the mandates, has been so poor. Uh, and we've got you know, top-level bureaucrats uh, you know, still spruiking surgical masks, almost no mention of something like a, uh, a P2N95 uh, mask, which is you know, much, much better. Despite the science. The Fogan effect. This study revealed that wearing face masks might impose a great risk on individuals. New study, face mask usage correlates with higher death rate. Was not able to reduce transmission. Also suggests the universal use of masks may have had harmful unintended consequences. The carbon dioxide content in inhaled air rises on average to 13,000 parts per million, no matter whether children wear a surgical or a higher level mask. This study, the RAND controlled trial of cloth masks, moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and pore filtration may increase your risk of infection. Cloth masks should not be recommended.
In the pooled analysis of everything, we found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. There is limited evidence for their effectiveness in preventing influenza virus transmission, either when worn by the infected person for source control or when worn by uninfected persons to reduce exposure. Our systematic review found no significant effect of face masks on transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza. That's the video, by the way, that she was calling propaganda. Me literally reading verbatim peer-reviewed science. And by the way, that's both a NIH study and the CDC at the end there. So apparently she's too stupid to see that she's calling the people she's trusting fake news and propaganda while she's not looking at it. <laughs> God damn, this is the dumbest thing in the world. But here is the Fogan effect, peer-reviewed study, just to counter his point, right? Saying that this is a, the problem that this is creating is that the higher level mass, N95s, not only are they not statistically significant in reducing transmission, which has always been the case, and it's still the science now. The point is that the better mass, N95s and higher, as it says, with a higher droplet fil fil filtering capacity should cause an even stronger Fogan effect because the number of virons that are potentially re-inhaled increases in the same way that outward shedding is reduced. You're hurting yourselves. And it will because the dumb people won't trust the science and the doctors won't even listen. You're the media, guys. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I shouldn't say it like that, but in this case, it's clear they don't, but then just because media, but the bottom line is I, we're watching the scientific conversation. They're repeating what they were told it was. This is embarrassing and they're hurting people. Record highs because it's the pandemic of the injected. Now here is another example. This is from Australia. And it's just, it's frustrating how obvious this is that they are, and it's the same point, not calling it the pandemic of the uninjected or the injected because it's obvious that it's not. Catastrophic. That's how doctors are describing the impact of the latest COVID wave. Now, this, this relates specifically to not just the patients, but to doctors and nurses who are out. And remember, that overlaps with the fact that they fired an endless amount of people, a lot of them, most of them, because they would not get injected. I, well, I, I shouldn't say most. I'm not sure how it worked in Australia. But the point is that they were. People got fired. They're low-staffed because of their actions. They don't want to admit that, though. Thousands of health staff are isolating. Emergency departments are overwhelmed. And tonight, there's, a new, there's new advice from the Premier about the ECA. We've heard about the chronic bed shortages, but in some cases, doctors say there are no beds at all. Our emergency departments at the moment are so busy. Why, you know, you're taking note that neither one of these stories have said these beds are full with COVID-19 patients? Isn't that an interesting omission as they just go, Omicron wave is everywhere and then point at the beds, but don't say COVID-19 because these are not COVID-19 people. These are people that are in the hospital because of vaccine side effects by and large, many of which test positive for COVID-19, many of which are told they have COVID-19, most of which, in my opinion, based on the real world data and the science are not sick with COVID-19 if that's even there. We are watching a pandemic of the injected as it explodes through them and, th and they can't call it anything else. So they just continue to, they were overwhelmed with the overarching beginning point that Omicron's why it's happening, but never really getting into the media of it because it's not true. That's, I mean, watch, listen. And part of that is because there are no beds in the hospital. The COVID grip tightening on our hospitals. There have been 6,109 cases in the past 24 hours. 1,024 people are in hospital, 28 in intensive care. Now, again, right there, my point is... And I could be wrong, but 6,000 positive tests, first of all. So that means they're testing people that are in the hospital, which is an easy way to use false positives to make it look like that's what's happening. But then they just say 1,024 in hospital with COVID or just in hospital. 
28 in ICU with COVID or not. Now, call me a conspiracy theorist if you want. It's That's not how that usually, that graphic, they love to push this in your face. It's an interesting deviation is all I'm pointing out. The downstream effect from that is catastrophic. Elective surgeries are being postponed. Ramping issues continue as wait times blow out. Now, I'm in in interest of time going to go past it. The point is, guys, I'll read this to you. This is a problem for the people in the hospital. And they're going to argue that they're all the hospitals all overwhelmed because they got rid of people that they needed. As I said, take note of how there is no mention of how most of these people are injected. They are. We know that because they already were pushed to this position and most of them already gave in. And if they're still there, there's only a fringe amount of them that have some able were able to make an exception. Most of them gave in and still worked. So now that these hospital people are getting sick, it's obvious they're all injected. And it says, and the 2,750, which is the number they quoted, hospital staff who are sick were most certainly injected. Now all the focus is on the boosted and unboosted, or versus unboosted, welcome to the pandemic of the uninjected. Pretty easy to see. Now, here's a warning to the people that don't want to, well, I'm just, in general, I'm going to get, I'm going to make sure I get done with this reasonably quick. She's simply warning people. Ah, let's see. I think I got it. There it is. To make sure that when we start reopening at 70% double dose, that it's done in a safe way and it's only for people who are vaccinated. So you have you have been warned if you're not you have you have been warned if you're not, not vaccinated, come forward and get the vaccine. Otherwise, you won't be able to participate in the many freedoms that people have at 70% vaccination. Right, because you're not free until you oblige the government, right? You're not a free human being until you let them inject you for a few things, and then you're free. Then you can enjoy the freedoms, right? That's just fundamentally not freedom, right? You are doling out things to people which are privileges, not freedoms. They're just bastardizing the definitions of everything else they can, right? But what they're talking about is 70% to two shots and acting like that has any meaning. They can still spread it. They can still catch it. We all know this. Nobody doesn't know this today, but yet they're still giving you these metrics and barriers because they want to control your life based on this dangerous thing they're giving people. Well, don't forget, this is actually, we've already shown you this one. Somebody shared this earlier. This is, after all we're talking about, this is how they relate to what's actually going on. Deaths with unknown cause. Now Alberta's top killer. I did a whole show on this. Seriously, ill-defined and unknown causes are dramatically the number one winner of of cause of death in 2021 in Alberta. I mean, it takes a special kind of stupidity to not at least question whether that is the one thing that changed during 2021. It's so crazy to me. But we also have this one. Unexplained high death counts in uh, New Brunswick. Concerning. Unexplained. We don't know what's going on. We're baffled. We're baffled by the brain disease. We're baffled by the hepatitis. We're baffled by the MISC. We're baffled by everything that's clearly and scientifically shown to have connections to the COVID-19 injections. I've gone over all of it. Now, Justin is pointing out that multiple emerging departments in Toronto, after they're forced all of them to get injections and can't explain all the deaths, are on the verge of collapse. This was on the 23rd. There are no nurses. They're begging people with no nursing training to act as nurses. Care will be compromised, but they won't declare an emergency. My point I said last time, why would one declare an emergency? That does not help people. But the point here, guys, is that this is because of what they did. Nothing else. They could right now accept their mistake or choice and let them come back. Most of them probably won't. I wouldn't. But the point is that they're refusing to do that. And finally, Mike is pointing out breaking federal courts have are now have now begun barring unvaccinated lawyers from entering the courthouse. 
File suit has already, first suit has already begun and filed in the USDNJ docket. Now, here's the interesting part about this, guys. This is the same as the, I think we saw it in the parliament in the UK. This is, there's no way this is acceptable. First, you have a medical choice, freedom to make your own choice. But to, let's you have a lawyer. You have a, you have a procedure, you have a, there's law and procedure, and you're telling me that I'm not going to let my lawyer in because he won't do something that's nothing related to my case? Or removing people from political positions or not allowing them in the, in the room because they won't get an injection. You're, you're literally making entire groups of people that are supposed to be represented by them. That's an illusion, first of all, but not represented because of this choice. This is so far over the top. It's, it's, it's alarming. Now, last two points were going to be menstrual points and heart attacks that are being covered up. Here's MSN. I know it's shocking. It's baffling, right? Two thirds of UK women are missing periods because injections? No, because of lockdowns? No, because of stress and poor diet. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, is it possible? Sure it is. But is stress and poor diet unique to right now? <laughs> Obviously not. Of two things we have in spades in these two countries, it's stress and, and poor diet. The point is that they're using anything and everything under the sun to overlap Something that probably has an effect. There's probably some kind of a visual. I mean, I can almost guarantee poor diet and stress can be scientifically shown to have an effect in this regard. A very small effect in the large all said and done. But you know what has a very obvious effect that science has repeatedly shown and that Pfizer's own documentation makes clear that they didn't want you to see that none of the media wants to talk about, neither side of the false paradigm, that it has an effect on fertility and reproductivity, period. Undeniably, all sorts of peer-reviewed science are out now saying this. But stress and poor diet. Of course it is, right? Well, here's Fauci on an interesting point that just got caught on Fox News where he's admitting because the, the, the host points out some of the science and then he goes, well, we need to study more. Ah, oh, I see. So you need to study more while you're forcing it on pregnant women that, that don't need it. I got it. Shouldn't, isn't, that, isn't that malfeasance? Isn't that dangerous? Isn't that criminal? It is. Listen for yourself. Wrong button. While I'm recorrecting the button that I pressed there, we have to realize not studying enough and admitting that you haven't studied enough, that in and of itself is a big deal. Especially when you're arguing that it doesn't cause something all over the the media that you just admitted you don't know for sure. That's pretty crazy. Number of studies, New York Times just did one about um, menstruating cycles and how that is affected by vaccines. Yeah, though, well, the menstrual thing uh, is is something that seems to be quite transient and, and temporary. Oh, so first of all, it's happening. They're dealing with it and it's happening, but it goes away. So we'll pretend it's not there. Science. That's the point. That's one of the points. Or think theirs, right? Yeah, it's, it's temporary, undefined. We don't know for sure. Pretend it's not there. That's their go-to while it's happening. We need to study it more. We need to study it more. We need to study it more. Yeah, number- yeah you need to study it more. Like Make all the- sure that when we... Oh, that's right. I forgot it. That's what I closed. I accidentally closed my screen share. Let me grab it real quick. What's embarrassing, though, is how obvious it is that they know they don't know, right? Their own data, as I keep showing you, shows they don't know. Whether it's pregnant, breastfeeding, any of it. They say, we don't know if it's safe. And they still do. I mean, gosh darn it, guys. How are these people not in jail? Because the system is working with them. Here's a crazy example of Dr. Luke uh, McClendon, who has been fired. 
this was on Friday last week, an Australian doctor for not taking the jab. The, he's, the, he's one of the doctors, by the way, who's saying 74% of women vaccinated are having miscarriages. You can read the report for yourself here. This is a, a, a um, telegram channel where you can read these. The links are right here for you to read what they say. But this is indeed what happened. Dr. Luke McClendon, fertility specialist at Brisbane's uh, Mater Hospital, has collected data which reveals that just 74% of miscarriages post-injection. That's his finding. You can question it, but then question why he would get so unceremoniously fired. The jab plays a role, but that's incredible. In an attempt to silence him, he was fired, as she, as she points out. Here is Dr., or excuse me, funeral director John O'Looney talking about contracts for baby deaths. This is somebody who's already spoken out many times. He has access to the contracts from the government that show you these things, and they are posting contracts for baby funerals, which he says is unprecedented. This is incredible to me. But again, guys, this is what they're covering up. This is happening, whether it's menstrual cycles, reproductivity. They know at the very least that they don't know if it's safe. I argue they know that it's not safe. Either way, this is criminal. This is criminal, pushing this on people that they know are uh, that could be in danger. But listen to this. This is pretty unnerving. Yeah, see, this happened the other day. So this definitely seems like not a computer issue. This looks like something's wrong with StreamYard or maybe the browser. Frustrating. Well, let's see if this is loud enough. I don't think that it is. You gotta be kidding me. Well, that's frustrating. I mean, what do you do? This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about, guys. Now, again, I'm, I'm never arguing I, this is just oh, censorship. I don't know. Could just be a glitch. But my point is always is this is it just coincidence that like literally every aspect and everything you could possibly point at right now in my life that's technologically connected is having problems? My passwords don't work one day or this thing doesn't load all over the place. Everywhere. I'm not making this up. Everything I'm dealing with right now is it's like I just tried to bring it up because it's hard to relay and it's infuriating. But it's what I'm doing. Like it, it makes me that more much more motivated to keep doing what I'm doing. Let me try it again. <laughs> Son of a gun, man. Hold on. Yeah, I'm not even sure how I can get this to play. Let me try one more time. Just going to try to download it with a different size and see if that changes something. Let's see. Try this one. One more time. There we go. Um, the date today is the 25th of July, 2022. Um, some interesting developments regarding baby deaths and baby funerals. So if you go to the UK government website, uh, Northampton NHS in detail mentioning children's funerals, um, we've never known this happen before. There's a contract up for tender. There's another one for Hertfordshire. There's another one for Hertfordshire, specifically baby funerals. That's been awarded. Maidstone and Trumbridge Wells, NHS contract awarded. Leicester Hospitals, NHS awarded. So contractfinderservice.cov.uk notice and then look for children's and babies funerals anyway um uh, dub the nhs is another one um, for those who do not want to have next to kin arranged funerals they'll do they'll do that for you now um there is a doctor um 
in Australia called Dr. Luke McClendon. He leads the fertility services um, at the Mater Hospital and is the principal investigator for a series of randomised controlled trials. He's also the president of the Australian Institute for Restorative Reproductive Medicine. He's the top doctor in Australia in this field and he has been sacked. Now, why? Why has he been sacked? He got sacked on Friday for not getting the jab and for trying to release his data on miscarriages post the jab. He has until next Friday to get out of his private practice rooms as he is no longer allowed to practice um, either in public or in private. He told me that he has been investigating miscarriages in couples um, post-vaccination and he said that normal miscarriage rate is between 5 and maybe as high as 16%. But he's since been keeping stats since the introduction of the vaccine and he's found that 74% of women who are vaccinated are now having miscarriages. Let me say this again, 74% of women are having miscarriages who are vaccinated. So this would explain totally why these hospitals now want to deal directly with crematoria um, uh, and that the vans are um, taking multiple babies directly to the crematorium, bypassing funeral directors. Um, I did say, I my God, bypassing funeral directors. I mean, just by the way, same point as before, because this guy was shown on some kind of partisan channel, people that don't want to hear it. Are going, oh, this guy, he's debunked. He's fake news. He proved what he was saying. I mean, that's gotta be the dumbest statement in the world today. When you can literally look at the source material, right? He, he proved this and plenty. So do the DOD people showing the same stuff. The bottom line is that he's tapped into the stuff and he could prove what he's saying and he is it's just alarming that we can't acknowledge what's really happening there's so many of this there's so much of this going around and it's just unnerving now here's another example likely cause of mystery child hepatitis outbreak found you know, spoiler alert it was the lockdowns that did it not making this up a broad undefined argument that well because lockdowns made a lot of things worse because they couldn't treat it likely led to an increase in this one thing. I'm, you, I'm, not, I'm just in the interest of time. That's actually the argument. Can you prove that? Is there any kind of scientific quantification? No. It's just an argument that, well, that's probably what it is. The lockdowns and they weren't able to get it treated. So there's extra. Except for the fact that there's a lot of examples, as I've went over numerous times. Study confirms jab-induced hepatitis or vax immune mediated hepatitis confirmed that prove this. Here's just one of them. From Journal of Hepatology, you know, no big no anti-science fringe conspiracy theorist outlet. SARS-CoV-2 vaccination can elicit a CD8 T-cell dominant hepatitis. It's amazing that we can have this stuff peer-reviewed, proven, in the context of the way they would argue proven, as you know my stance. And it's, we don't know for sure. So let's make a broad, undefined, general argument that lockdowns led to the, everything in hepatitis 2. That's why. It's sickening, guys. They're hurting children and calling it anything else. Same point here. Blood clots, the popular breakfast food that can enhance the risk of blood clotting. Now, my point here in all these is there's some level of truth to these. That heat waves or whatever else, of course, they can add a level of increase here. And you can point to some study that says that there's an increase. But it's not accounting for what we're seeing. And even if there is a part of it there, we have to acknowledge that they are giving people something that they admitted can cause blood clots, and yet nobody can acknowledge that that might be a possibility? I mean, that's just stupid. But there's a lot of this, and he points out a lot of them. He says, let's take a look at the coordinated media blitz to explain away and normalize the rapid rise in heart attacks and blood clots. 
Here's another one. During death during sex isn't just something that happens to middle-aged men's new study finds. Now even sticking to medics alcohol guidelines is bad or uh, now, now even sticking to medics alcohol guidelines is bad for your health. Risk of heart problems could be increased even if you drink less. Tis the season ways the cold weather can affect your body. You've seen most of these from us already. Extreme heat can jeopardize cardiovascular, lonelier women, and greater risk of heart attack. And it's just on and on and on. Just random connection. Here's a, here's a great one. Napping regularly. Linked to high blood pressure and stroke. I mean, linked means nothing. That's correlation, guys. That's nothing. That's not a scientific study. If you're just going to say, what else could it be? You know, what about the fact that these people who are overweight tend to take more naps? Wouldn't there, There's a link. And it's probably the weight, not the naps, right? You see, it's, it, it's ridiculous. And they're making connections to anything everywhere all the time. As I said, everything means nothing. Nothing means everything. It's about what they point at. Napping, eating a certain thing, drinking a certain thing, playing video games, sitting on the couch, watching too much TV, all these things. And yeah, probably have some level of effect. But you know what really does? The thing causing blood clots. Here's another point. Energy bill, price. The thing that they're creating as well may rise or may risk cause of heart attacks and strokes. How do you even wreck? How do you even quantify something like that? So probably some kind of a stress connection where they go, well, stress causes these things and we can connection connect energy bill prices to stress and therefore it all causes strokes. It's just crazy. Here's an interesting thing to end with before actually I think of the one last clip, two clips to end actually, is... Some somebody that just seemed to collapse on live TV, <laughs> just just a normal normal you know heat stroke, sat down too long COVID nineteen thing you know no big deal ha- athletes collapsing on the field kids dropping dead in class you know it's just it's just heat and stuff no big deal. Well, the cost of not doing anything to stand up to Vladimir Putin is immense. If he succeeds in Ukraine, he's not going to stop there. Now, by the way, just since we're talking, showing this before we watch the part where they collapse. I mean, what? This is the kind of joke. I was just laughing about this with Jason on the interview we just had. Seriously? So you you know what Putin's gonna do? That's stupid. You are a child. You are arguing you know his intentions. I mean, why doesn't everybody laugh this person out of the room? You're psychic, apparently. Like you're not. I mean, no, none of these people are experts on on anything Russian or Putin. Even the so-called experts on these areas are experts in the think tanks on them. The most of them haven't even been there. And Robert Inlakesh has done great work on this from all angles. Bottom line is, regardless of what she thinks she knows or what she does know, the point to say that you know what he thinks and that if we let him do this, that he'll next do that. It's just at the very least, say this is what I would think he would do. That's not what they're doing. They're going, yeah, he'll do this because we know because Putin, bad guy. Blah, blah, blah. Safe and effective. Safe and effective. Let's watch. He's going to challenge the freedom and democracy. <laughs> cut it. Cut it. Cut it. Cut the screen. Good. <laughs> right, that's, that's what happened right there. Quick, quick, quick. Go to commercial. Something. That's, that person collapsed. I mean, my God. But yeah, no big deal. No big deal. Nothing happening. Nothing to see here. And finally, this clip is from 2020. But just to watch the kind of thing that they're pushing back in 2020. And let's let's see how well this would portray, tra- how well this uh, ages is the right way to say it. To where we are today. Most up-to-date information daily. 
You can trust us as a source of that information. Uh, you can also trust the Director General of Health and the Ministry of Health. For that information, do feel free to visit at any time to clarify any rumour you may hear, covid19.govt.nz. Otherwise, dismiss anything else. We will continue to be your single source of truth. We will provide information frequently. We will share everything we can, uh, everything you are, else you see, um, a grain of salt. Uh, and so I really ask people to focus. The most egregious example of that appears to be this text which originated in Malaysia and has kind of a, has become a viral hoax in Australia and in New Zealand. How irresponsible is it the people that are sharing that news of a lockdown imminent in New Zealand? Yeah, and, and look, that's the kind of thing that adds um, to the anxiety that people feel. So I continue to share the message. New Zealanders must prepare, but do not panic. Prepare. And, and when you see those messages, remember that unless you hear it from us, um, it is not the truth. And I really ask people, just visit um, uh, covid19.govt.nz. It has all of the up-to-date information. And we will continue to provide everything you need to know. Wow. I mean, I can't even believe she has the nerve to say that. That was 2020. Like, if you don't hear from us, it's not, it's re, it's fake. So nobody anywhere else regarding New Zealand information is ever, what about the, what about the other media representatives? What about the government? Like other people, I mean, that, that's just crazy. Not the government, but other people in these positions. The bottom line is this is like the WikiLeaks thing or anything else. It's fake news unless we say it, right? You don't look at the information. Look at what we tell you it says. Like they've been training people for a long time. And by the way, the lockdown point he made, yeah, that turned out to be true. Exactly like you might have expected. Or that we're not going to mandate anybody and then we're going to mandate everybody. Like they are childishly ridiculous in the way that they pretend what you know is going to happen is fake news up until they let it happen. And then they just go, oh, but well, it wasn't going to happen, but we changed our minds because of X, Y, and Z. Who cares? You said it wasn't going to happen and it did happen. They were right. Regardless of what the process was that led there. It's embarrassing. You're right, guys. You know, you can see it. I think everybody can see it. I think the majority of people can see what's happening. It's just time to acknowledge that. Cross illusions of party lines and recognize that as long as we all agree that we shouldn't be forced to do anything by the government, that we're on the same side. So close. Help us get there. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Sorry, I was... I was almost positive that I had that lined up right there. There it is. I wanted to make sure I played this because of what I mentioned during the show. Uh, there's so many of these Fauci clips that I really think are hilarious. <laughs> Just the que questions get asked and all these things. I don't know how this person is still in the position that he's in, but important to see that they knew it wasn't going to stop transmission, yet they sold you on that from day one. How do you miss that? I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. During 2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines. And, and that vaccine, a uh, key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission. Uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops. 
with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. Essentially, vaccines block you from getting and giving um, the virus. Fully vaccinated people are at a very, very low risk of getting COVID-19. Therefore, if you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. We have all the vaccines we need. We just need our people to take it. A, for their own protection, for the protection of their family, but also to break the chain of transmission. You want to be a dead end to the virus. So when the virus gets to you, you stop it. You don't allow it to use you as the stepping stone to the next person. I think given the country as a whole, the fact that we have now about 50% of adults fully vaccinated and about 62% of adults having received at least one dose as a nation, I I'm, I feel fairly certain you're not going to see the kind of surges mm-hmm. we've seen in the past. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized, you're not going to be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. You're okay. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah.